<laughs> I hate to tell you guys, but <laughs> the Lord is more interested in your humility than you are. During those times, there was always a voice in my head that said, pull the pin and blow the whole thing up. Hmm. Just be done with it. Just be done with the marriage. Just move on. Don't try to, you know, don't play the humble card. You know, get some self-respect back and just, just be done. But I couldn't, and I didn't want to, and I love my wife too much and my kids too much to do it. But that pride was always there, right there. Hello there, and welcome to Dad in the Trenches. You just heard an excerpt from today's episode with my guest, Troy. Today's episode is a tad bit different than normal, as, yes, we talk about dad stuff, masculinity, um, but we also touch on marriage. And for so many of us that are married, uh, so many of us that are in relationships, um, it's we know just like being a dad, it's not always rosy and there are difficulties and struggles, but in it the Lord is after something uh, for both of us. And sometimes it's about humility and shaping and changing. And so these are things that Troy and I talk about and he tells some more of his story. Super impactful and I really uh, hope you guys uh, enjoy and take something from this today. Before we get into it, again, just a reminder, uh, one, thank you so much for joining Dad in the Trenches. If today's podcast or any others that you have listened to have been impactful, helpful, challenging, encouraging some way, would you leave a star rating? You can just tap the stars if you're in uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews simply help the algorithms and Apple know that this is uh, valuable content to you and should be pushed up uh, to be searchable for other dads that may be looking for similar contents. Also, if you leave a written review, uh, that also helps in that whole mathematical formula. So uh, if you're a longtime listener uh, or really impacted by something from today, would you please consider leaving a review or rating? Thanks so much. Here we go. You are in the trenches of life. You are faced with pressure every day. Family, work, community, all demanding a piece of life. Fatherhood is war, but you continually battle for your soul and the souls in your family. It can feel isolating and exhausting, but there is good news. You have a heavenly Father. Because of Jesus, you can be strong, courageous. You can be an intentional Father, living with purpose. This is what you are meant for. You will make an impact. You are not alone. Welcome to Dad in the Trenches, a resource for biblical truth, challenge, and encouragement for Christian dads in the trenches of life. So, gentlemen, thank you for joining me today here on Dad in the Trenches. My guest is Troy Mangum. And uh, Troy, welcome to Dad in the Trenches. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. I uh, I love the name. That is an awesome name. <laughs> you have been a dad in the trenches yourself. Uh, tell us, just you know, for those of us that that don't know you, uh, a little bit about your current spot in life. You know, work, family dynamics, all that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I've been married for almost twenty four years. Congratulations! And I have. Thank you very much. Uh, hard, hard fought years, <laughs> and. 
Um, uh, I have four incredible kids. I've got two adult kids that are 21 and 22. Wow. And I have two kids that are 13 and 15. And the order is a girl at the top, two boys in the middle, and a baby girl at the at the bottom. So. And you guys have a lively house. Had a lively house for sure. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And and for work, I, I've done many things um, uh, for work. Right now, I'm currently in marketing, uh, and I've been an engineer, a pastor, a missionary, uh, a, a uh, forklift operator. <laughs> I've done so many things. Uh, you name it, I probably did it. Yeah. Well, Not awesome. a hairdresser. I've never been a hairdresser. Never been a hairdresser. Okay. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned some of this before, and we'll, we'll get into some of your, your story, but, um, you know, you and I have been able to connect outside of, you know, podcasts and Instagram and all that stuff, but just from our time talking, um, you know, share a little bit more about your story. You know, one, just growing up, um, you know, the quote unquote father influence, um, and also oh, sure. just how you came to know the Lord. Um, you've got a specific testimony around that too. So, you know, uh, walk us through some of that. So I was, uh, I have a one sibling that's five years older than me. She is my older sister. And, um, as far as my growing up, as it relates to sort of dad influence, mm-hmm. um, you know, my dad had a lot of struggles and, um, you know, and I, I won't get into his story cause it's really his to tell, but sure. the short of it is, um, I grew up in a, a, a house full of domestic violence. Okay. And so as a kid, I was very afraid. Uh, there was a lot of violence in the house. There was a lot of yelling and I was just terrified as a kid. And eventually, as I grew into, um, you know, probably all, it probably went on until it was probably I was in the seventh or eighth grade. Hmm. And then at that time, uh, my 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 father ended up taking sort of a traveling sales job. And then he was kind of gone from eighth grade until I went off to college. Okay. And and he would travel the country and do what he was doing. And, and it was just kind of me and my mom. And a lot of that um, father influence was a little bit like, uh, I'm very scared, and now he's absent. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not involved. He's not engaged. And so for me, growing up as a man, uh, I was just trying to be like, well, I have no idea. And I certainly didn't feel very empowered because I was so frightened as a kid right. in my home setting. So I was just very... Uh, I was just kind of a scrawny kid. And then I got introduced to punk, uh, hardcore punk and said, this is what I need. <laughs> <laughs> Man. You know, it, cause I felt, cause I felt powerful. I felt, right. uh, all, I, all that rage yeah. and hurt and pain. It, it kind of, I found a voice for it. And I just went like a hundred percent into that community. I was in many bands. I was a singer for many punk bands and, and was a rage, kind of a raging atheist because I really was just, I kind of just bought anything they were selling because it so resonated with who I, with how I felt that if they didn't believe in God, then that must be true. Cause you know, in in my church, uh, my parents, they went to church, but you know, you just can't throw a grenade in a house and say, "Hey, let's go to church and it'll make it all better." Right? You know, it doesn't make it better. Yeah. 
and so and so I kind of was that way right up until university. A good friend of mine, we were all in punk bands together, and he um, gets radically born again, <laughs> and that was like the anathema of what we were doing. Like right. that was the anti. Like, you know, we hated God, we hated authority, we hated everything. And for him to become born-again Christian was sort of like, I, I can't believe that knowing all that you know, you've chosen to, to join the Republican White Party. You know, it's just like, <laughs> why did you do this? It just, and so what ended up happening is one of the bands that we ran with wrote a song about him. Oh, no. And <laughs> it was this scathing song about how you know, you think you found your life, you found nothing but death, it's all in your head, it, it, all this stuff. Well, that band becomes really tight with Metallica uh, later on, and they go tour with Metallica. They were a band called Corrosion of Conformity, and uh, sort of a crossover punk metal band, and in the Metallica starts that covers that song. That's like basically mocking my, son, my, my uh, friend's Christianity and faith. Wow. And, and so what happens is we go to university like a year or two later, and he's like super happy Jesus guy, right? <laughs> he's been on his face, always happy. And I'm like, what is going on with you? He looked like a hairband. I, I did not get what was going on with him, but he was always happy. And he would tell me about Jesus, and I said, I'm not interested. Like, right. I'm glad you're happy. I'm happy. We're all happy here. <laughs> you know, not, but, but I didn't want to hear it. And so what he did was he said he went to his prayer closet and prayed that God would supernaturally, undeniably reveal himself to me through drugs or through my or through dreams. Oh, wow. And a lot of drugs at a time. And so that's exactly what happened. I was uh, on LSD um, with some people. One of them was possessed uh, uh, who, you know, son of a surgeon, doctor, uh, high society, full of the devil. Right. It was wow. just one of those guys. He'd never know from the, until he got under the influence, and then he started acting really weird. Huh. Well, anyway, we all were hanging out, uh, and then the Lord touched me that night, uh, basically spoke to me and said, By affirming the Lord is my Savior, thus upon the devil will always be defeated, shall always be defeated, and the Lord shall always prevail. And it was like this phrase I'd never heard before in my life. Wow. And when I heard it, I was filled with this presence of God and Spirit of God, and I knew something was different. And eventually I, you know, we all kind of came down off the trip and I was like, God's real. And they're like, you're weird. <laughs> and I went to my friend Grace and said, guess what happened this weekend? And he just starts crying because uh, he said, that's exactly what I've been praying that God would do in your life. Yeah. And I said, I, okay. And I said, awesome. I'm not an atheist anymore, <laughs> but and he's, of course, he, we were all involved with Camp Crusade for Christ, our crew, and he was like, come to a meeting. And I was like, look, like, I believe in God now, but I'm still not quite convinced, like, I'm a whole percent in. And so right. it took me another sort of eight months, and, uh, and in that eight months, I ended up having another sort of traumatic event uh, where, I, out of anger, I smashed my hand through a storefront window in mm. the downtown um, area that slit my wrist really bad and I, it was like a 12 by 12 storefront window and I smashed the whole thing and I, and uh and it slit my best wrist and I was going to the hospital and I remember thinking in my head you know I know God wants me to follow him I don't want to do it but do I have am I going to have to be like on the brink of death like for instance me now bleeding from my wrist <laughs> right 
need to um, to really seriously consider, am I going to follow God? And, you know, God just totally intervened. It took me about a month to say, you know, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of all the sin. I'm sick of it. It doesn't make me happy. It doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And I went back as a sophomore in college and said, okay, Grady, where are the Christians meeting? I'll go. Yeah. And, you know, it's history. Yeah, no, that's so good. That's my testimony. That, that's awesome. <laughs> and then when I told my and, and then when I told my parents I became born again, they they were like, um, they were worried about my mental state. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it all worked out. You yeah. know, all these thirty plus years later, that I'm still following the Lord. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so good. I, I'm curious too, just you know, with with the journey you went on, um, you know, with with your dad and. Uh, yeah. issues and then, you know, absence, you know, as you've become a father and, and worked through being a father and, you know, the sharpening and all that that goes with it, you know, were there things you had to overcome or deal with that were, in a sense, maybe generational curses or, um, you know, things that were modeled before you that imprinted on you somehow that, you know, you had to work through? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll start with this. Um, I, I was very afraid of being a bad dad. Like mm-hmm. I carried this fear that, you know, I'm going to be a bad dad mm-hmm. and I'm not going to somehow be able to fix it. So I got introduced into some, uh, parenting curriculum that was extremely unhealthy. And I'll just say it for the sake of anybody out there that may run across this curriculum. It may be dated and not out there anymore, but it was mm-hmm. called Growing Kids God's Way. Uh-huh. And there's a little book, Baby, Baby Wise, which is they, how you teach your kid to, sleep through the night. Right. But I, I took that material as gospel and it wasn't. Uh-huh. Even James Dobson didn't like it. You know, it, it was a legalistic parenting approach. Right. And it, I went from ignorant and fearful to legalistic and intolerant. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and it created this angry environment in my house. Yeah. So one book that's very popular is Baby Wise, and it just helps um, babies sleep through the night, which there's nothing wrong with getting a baby on a schedule. But <laughs> there were other things mixed in those um, teachings that kind of mixed theology and really opinion and legalism. Uh-huh. And it was a bad mix for me personally. Um, coming from an abusive home, uh, I just took that information and, and it just create an environment as me as a dad where I was very quick to get angry. Yeah. And I was like that um, with my children because, you know, they didn't obey the first time and, and the book says they're supposed to and all this other stuff. <laughs> right. But it be obeying about things that, um, you know, were just for an example, like, um, you know, they would say a good trait, right? Hey, you know, your world doesn't need to revolve around your kids. Yeah. Right. I totally agree with that. But then they would make a legalistic thing about it. So, yeah. I mean, so you're going to sit on the couch, and the children are going to watch us interact. And if they and if they interrupt, they know it's this is our mommy and daddy time. There will be consequences. It was so legalistic and so not the heart of God. And it, and I really hurt my kids. Like I, I just was harsh and yeah. intolerant, you know, and had God mixed in. It was a bad mix. And thankfully, by the grace of God. I got shooken out of that, yeah. uh, probably because I just took things too far. And eventually I was like, my kids are scared of me. This is, I'm so wrong as a dad right now. Mm. I need to be connecting to their heart. Sure, there, there can still be consequences, but the heart of what I was, I, I just missed their heart completely. Mm. And, 
so and so that was um, sort of a a way that I you know, I don't know if that's in you know generational sin stuff, but it was certainly something that I was so afraid that I was willing to take in any information as gospel, yeah, just to get help. And so that was a bad. Unfortunately, I got a bad pill. Yeah. Did how did you um kind of rewind some of that with with your older kids and just the mistakes you made, you know, building bridges back and establishing trust and love and those kind of things. Yeah, I think just acknowledging the the harshness of of me as a dad, mm. I was younger, and the anger that I had that was unnecessary, and and they would have never understood. Yeah, um, you know, and just 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 being honest and, and repenting and mm. being apologetic and and uh, you know offering to pay for their counseling, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever needs to happen and. And I tell you, it, it was um, a lot of times dads, especially dads that were like me, I had a tremendous amount of anxiety because I had such a traumatic kind of household. Mm-hmm. I had so much anxiety about being a good dad. Mm. And so that anxiety drove a lot of overreactions and mm-hmm. over corrections. And, mm-hmm. and I did like the best dad, dadding, if you will, comes out of a heart of peace. Uh, if you're if you're if you're dadding out that's not even a word but i'm going to say it go for it i love it (laughs) you're coining it sort of a heart of anxiety um you're going to really screw things up like one of the things i was a drug abuse counselor for troubled kids coming from an alcoholic and drug abuse homes at the time my kids were young Uh and i so every day i was surrounded by kids that were absolutely losing it and then i came home and said by God, my kids aren't going to be this way. Correct. And then I just way overdo it on them. Yeah. You know, my whole environment was, if I don't, you know, lock this down. And I'll say this for you younger dads, you know, like I'm older dad now, relax. <laughs> like that, that one thing that you think, oh God, it's going to spin them off into some life, lifelong lying or, or this or that or the other. Honestly, kids are, are, Fickle. They change from day to day. The thing you think is going to, you know, affect them for the rest of their life if they do this thing wrong this one day, it, it's probably not going to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Totally. Like I, I, I put a lot of weight on things that I put too much weight on things that were wrong, you yeah. know, and, and and I I just overdid it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's really good advice. So, you know, when, when we also, when we spoke before too, um, we talked at length about this and, you know, this is obviously this is a podcast that's geared towards fathering and something that I don't hit on a lot. And, and I want you to talk about and just kind of really work on us about is, you know, you have quite a story with your marriage and I uh, want you to talk about just the importance of, for those of us that are married, that, you know, we have uh, wife plus kids, all that sort of thing. Um, the importance of priorities and um, taking care of your marriage. Would you share some just about more of your story in that regard for us? Yeah. So I um, really focused on being a dad, and I didn't focus a whole lot on being a husband. Hmm. And I, I felt more successful, or made felt like I, I made more ground as a dad, whereas I, as a husband, I didn't always quite feel like I was doing so well, and I didn't know how to fix that. Um, 
And so with that, I kind of neglected my marriage, right? You being intentional about being loving and kind and building into the relationship. Mm. And so over time, um, that really put a strain on my wife and I. And so we ended up getting separated just because we had, uh, it, it just got so bad that she, she had had enough. And, uh, and I understood that, um, I had been, I'd been a fairly angry person. I talked about being an angry dad, but I also was a very frustrated person just in general. And, and it, and I kind of would always let, you know, kind of let it out on her from a standpoint of, you know, being irritable or moody or Mm. sulky or whatever I was doing because life wasn't going like I wanted it to. Mm. And eventually, it just all just built up. And so I, I got this one story I feel I should tell, which is pretty neat. So we ended up getting separated, and we actually were separated for two years. Hmm. And during that separation, I was at a men's meeting at the church that we attended, and there was this older couple. So he would have been in his 70s, all right? He had bought this plaque uh, back in his marriage uh, that said the best thing that a husband can do, a uh, best thing that a father can do is love his wife. Mm. And it was this old plaque that they bought like in the 60s. Yeah. And it was this, this little trinket kind of plaque that they, they wooden little plaque. And so before this men's meeting that night, and I had been separated probably four months at this time, um, his, his wife said to him, I really feel like this is for somebody at the men's meeting tonight. I want you to give it to somebody tonight. So he shows up in the men's meeting saying, Lord, who is this for? Hmm. And I stand up at that men's meeting and basically say, you guys all know me, you know, my family, you know, my, who I am and all the stuff. And my wife and I have been separated and you know that. And, and I don't know what I said. I probably said, just pray for me. And he handed me that plaque wow. with tears in his eyes. And, and what was so treasured about it was that plaque had been in their marriage for over 30 years and he was giving it to me. And at that time there was no, it didn't look like we were going to get reconciled. Mm -hmm. Like it looked very, very bleak. And he was giving it to me with tears in his eyes saying, this has been very special to me in my marriage and I want you to have it. And I was weeping and he was weeping. And, and so then I held on to that plaque as sort of like God, could, could you restore my marriage? Mm. And so I held on to that plaque for probably two and a half years. And my wife and I get reconciled and I moved back in and I moved out. Like I moved out, had an apartment. We had visitation rights, the whole deal. Mm. And, and when I got back together and we got back and we kind of worked through all the things we, I really repented of a lot of my behavior mm. and kind of proved that repentance by my actions over time. But when we got back together, his wife had taken a turn for the worse and she was dying. Mm. And so we ended up going and visiting her on her deathbed with him at his side. And I remember handing the plaque back to him and said, thank you so much for entrusting this to me for these last couple of years. It has meant the world to me. I know this is special to you and your wife and I want to give it back to you, man. It was just like, I just was weeping because I didn't serve a gift like that. Yeah. I was I was not a great guy, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I was separated for reason, you know. There was there had been a lot of water under the bridge, and yet God, in His mercy, gave me something so precious from this couple, and I was able to give it back to him before she ended up passing away shortly afterwards. Yeah, that's powerful. But um, yeah. for those of us that 
dads that you know your story may resonate with for for those of us that are having difficulties in in their marriage what things that you could give us from your experience and things you've learned about yourself through that 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 you could also share with us the work it takes to show kindness when you don't feel like it or to show love when you don't feel like it Mm -hmm. uh, in a marriage is just practice for the kids Hmm. meaning that a lot of times we turn our, uh, as dads, we kind of turn our hearts to where it's easier. Like, hey, our kids will respond to us when we're kind, huh. right? Or easily forgive us if we mess up. And it's almost like an easier track, and so we kind of stay on that track. Huh. Whereas our, our wives are a little bit like, yeah, I'm not buying it. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to just, you can't just, just wave your hand and, and it's all better now. All right. You know, like overnight. And so... So as guys, we tend to push away from that hard work because we're like, well, my kids respond better. It's easier. And I'm just, you know, I don't know. I'll figure out the marriage. That plaque said the best thing you can do as a husband is love your, love their wife, love their mom. Hmm. Right. And so the point is put your priorities where the hard work is and it will, you will reap benefits as a dad as well. Hmm, uh, there's great. nothing more powerful than a couple that is in unity and in, in lockstep to make a child's heart come at ease. Hmm. It brings peace. It brings stability. It brings security. You know, you're worried about your girls running off with guys because of whatever. Yeah. Work on your marriage. Hmm. She will be, and, and just be intentional with her and loving her, but, but first work on the marriage and show her what love looks like and kindness and deferring and, then she won't be so prone to need all that attention because she she understands what healthy the healthy male and female relationships are like. Yeah, that's good. Talk also just about the role of pride and, and throwing off pride in that, too. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I hate to tell you guys, but <laughs> the Lord is more interested in your humility than you are. <laughs> um, this this uh, process that I went through, uh, I had many, well, not many. I had some guys in my life said, you know, I can't believe you're taking what you're taking, or I can't believe you haven't done this out of the other and they were actually were encouraging me and these were Christian guys but they had pride right they you know they had you know that happened to me or this was said or this injustice was done man I get a lawyer and I wouldn't take it right mm. so I had that voice of male pride in my ear from friends sure but all the while the Lord I had the voice of a wise counsel uh, he actually is the founder of Adventure and Missions a guy named Seth Barnes and he basically told me, the only way I see you out getting out of this whole situation is by going low, meaning humbling yourself. Yeah. And, and it was so simple, but I was able to apply it in every area. And when people were saying I needed to fight for my rights or I need to do this or I need to do that, or I felt, you know, this ting of uh, twins of like hurt when hurting my pride, I said, Lord, if I humble myself, will you, will you take care of the things that I feel like I'm giving up by not saying something, doing something, responding? And the Lord did. But mm. it took a lot longer than I thought it would. 
yeah. right? Like most guys, we want we want it quick. If I say you're, I'm sorry. Like a minute later, let's have sex. You know, it's just <laughs> like it doesn't work that way, right? Right? You know, and so I'd been years and years and years and years by the time we'd been separated, putting a lot of damage in our relationship. And so the fact that we didn't get back together all, you know, really quickly. I mean, it took time. It took time. And so, and that took a lot of humility in my part just to, mm. to keep, keep keeping my heart towards the right direction of I want reconciliation, even when, you know, I felt like I was getting nothing for my efforts. But eventually God rewarded that. And so I guess my, my advice to the guys is um, you can take it. Mm. You're a man enough to be misunderstood, you're man enough to be judged, you're man enough to be whatever. You can take with Jesus. If Jesus was, you can be. Not that you'll be like Jesus and perfect, but there might be areas where you it really is an injustice. And and um, it can take humility to make to allow God to wait for God to make it all right, but he will. During those times there was always a voice in my head that said, pull the pin and blow the whole thing up. Hmm. Just be done with it. Just be done with the marriage. Just move on. Don't try to, you know, don't play the humble card. You know, get some self-respect back and just, just be done. But I couldn't, and I didn't want to, and I love my wife too much and my kids too much to do it. Hmm. But that pride was always there, right there. Hmm. And so I never pulled the pin. I never did it. And, I, and a lot of men, I, they know that feeling, right? That's like, you know what, just screw it. You know, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm going to keep, keep, keep my self-respect and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do this out of the other. But I didn't. I said no to that. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that I just turned 51. My 50th birthday mm-hmm. was the most beautiful celebration of marriage and kindness and love and mm-hmm. respect, honor that I did not deserve. And it's because of humility through a lot of years that my kids wrote me notes. Like, you know, they, they, there was so much blessing that I received at 50 years old. That was, I would want for every guy, Hmm. but you got to earn it. Hmm. You got to earn it and you got to earn it through hard times. Man, that is good. Thank you for just your honesty and, and sharing that. That's really good. Let's touch on too. Just you know, you've you've seen many seasons of life now uh, as well. Just through family and and marriage, you know what what advice would you have for? You've already given us some advice for the young dads about you know yeah just <laughs> just chilling out <laughs> a little bit. Don't be so on edge, you know. But kind of as you move through yeah. the early <laughs> stages and then, dad. yeah, <laughs> as we're dadding. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, moving through the stages of life, you know, to uh, obviously early years to middle years to launch prep, that kind of thing. What what kind of advice would you have for us dads in the trenches as we move through those those seasons? Oh, man, I think the thing that I would really advise, especially as the kids start getting older, start to really um, ask the Lord for a vision for your kids. Hmm. How did he make them? I, I, I use the term thumbprint of God. Look for the thumbprint of God on your kids. Hmm. Um, you're going to find that if you look for it, you'll see the anointing, the thumbprint of God, the unique design that, that, that God has put in them. And then always, and then the thing that I think the role of a dad, we have the honor of being able to call something out. Hmm. 
um, that, that they might not see in themselves, but we can see with God's eyes. And being able to call that out in them. So it could be you write them a letter or draw them a picture or you, you, you tell them or give them a memento that says, um, you know, when I see you, I see, you know, whatever it is the Lord has kind of put in, put in you to say or, to, or that he's shown you. And it will be unique for every kid. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the things that I started to do. I don't know where I got the concept, I guess, from the Lord, but I did early on. And then as they kind of, I was able to always kind of encourage them back to that place where, you know, you know, the Lord has really made you really good with people, for example. Hmm. Right. You have a real compassionate heart. Uh, you always have. Now, you, and then, you know, I can see how the, you know, the enemy is trying to attack that and have you shut that part of your life off. But don't shut that part of your life off because God put that in you. That's very special. Like that would be an example. That's great. Right? And I was able to always kind of pull them back to that sort of original design, mm-hmm. uh, some people call it. And even when they got way off track, right? <laughs> so that's uh, where they just kind of lose their way, which my kids did um, and do. Uh, I was able to always kind of call them back to, you know, that's not who you are. That's not mm-hmm. how God has made you. God's made you this way. Mm-hmm. And and it really grounded them uh, that, you know, I, you know, even though I may be acting like the fool right now, this is actually not who I am. Mm-hmm. So that would be something I would advise every dad to ask the Lord to give give that kind of insight into each one of your kids. And I think it's the role of the dad to call it out of the kids. Mm, that's really good. Um, yeah. So, um, make it practical, right? Don't let it be just words, be it something, something they can, you know, a picture, a, a note, a memento, uh, a, something that's tangible, uh, that's tied to meaning that has meaning behind it. Like I would draw all my kids pictures, Mm-hmm. that I kind of got from the Lord uh, about their identity. Um, and uh, like, for, I'll give you an example on this one. So my youngest, um, if you watch Chronicles of Narnia, the youngest, Lucy, uh, is given a dagger uh, by, Nar- uh, by Aslan, and she's also given some healing oil. Mm-hmm. And she's got such a sweet disposition, but she has this sort of, in this desire for healing, but she's been given a dagger. Like that's for warfare. That's for, um, you know, that's for engaging. And I would say that, that the Lord started to really impress upon me that that same spirit, and that's probably not the right word, that same personality traits that was represented in that story as in my daughter, she's cute and she's so (laughs) sweet. She has such a, sweetness about her, about healing and, and animals and, you know, all the girly sweetness, but she's fierce and she's <laughs> dangerous and she is, you better watch out. And she's always, <laughs> like, like, I remember as a baby, uh, I would joke because I would be, uh, people would be like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. And I said, you better be careful. You know, <laughs> she'll suck you, she, she'll suck you in with your, her cuteness and then slap you. Like, you'd be aware. And I would always make that joke as a, as a dad, as her as a baby. And then it, this theme, like, trended through her life. You know, now she's 13, and she still has got those traits. <laughs> so, you know, so that's, like, something that, you know, so I always, you know, like, speak that over her, you know. 
um, and in any opportunity I get, you know, in, in fun ways and joking ways and serious ways. So <laughs> what else would I tell you about, about parenting and uh, older kids? Um, I would say that uh, don't expect it to go smoothly. <laughs> um, I would expect endurance, patience is needed. Um, as, as children kind of find their way, we would love for them to kind of stay in the straight and narrow, and they may. But, um, you, you know, it's really awesome to be able to stay connected and loving to your kids no matter what. And we've had a lot of, you know, we were missionaries older in life, actually, recently, this last uh-huh. year. And so, you know, you want that faith to be real in your kids, but it's a journey for them. Uh-huh. So being able to take them on that journey versus jumping down their throat if you feel like their view of something is incorrect or not biblical, huh. right? It's, okay, why don't you explore why they're thinking that way or what they think about it versus you just being, you know, kind of dogmatically saying, that's wrong, this is what the Bible says, line it to the Bible and you'll be fine. All right. Because you're not really engaged their relationship with them. You're just afraid that they're going to get off and stay off. And, hmm. So that would be another advice I'd have. Yeah, that's great, Troy. Thank you. That's so good. Um, you know, just kind of as we wrap up here, a couple of things. Um, you know, one, uh, tell us how, how our listeners can connect more with you and what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the fun things that I get to do in my life is I run the Kindling Fire uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of great guests on and um so i would ask them to go check out our podcast um i do a lot of stuff on on instagram Mm -hmm. uh i'm um you know do do kind of like blog like posts as and about you name it spiritual dad husband um things i'm thinking about and i'm also working on a book and so if you at all are interested in that progress i i kind of am keeping everybody abreast of how that's going Cool. Uh, on Instagram as well. And that's a book for dads and husbands, 30s and 40s. So I'd okay. say be your audience. That's great. Very cool. Um, yeah. So before before we go, would you just take a minute and pray for our listeners and dads out there? Yeah, absolutely. Lord, I thank you that um, you said in your word that uh, love is patient. And God, one of the things I pray for the listeners, Lord, is they would learn your patience. Uh, Lord, that they would learn the skill, the warrior-like skill of patience. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll help the listeners learn not uh, that they don't have to, you know, make every moment, but they can just wait patiently and respond to moments um, as a dad. And uh, I pray for discernment to know when to engage and when to wait. I pray that you'll help them know, Lord, that not every moment of every day is a time to engage and to resolve every issue. There are times to to let it sit and to come back to it. So, Lord, that's what I really sense from the Lord is is to pray for the patience of the listeners. Um, And I thank you, Lord, for the—you are a dad— so you are all about teaching dads how to be good dads. Mm. You're great at it. You're really the expert. And I pray that um, you will start to open up the father lens of Scripture uh, to the listeners. So they'll start to see your father's heart, your father's patience, your father's care, your father's 
concern and everything else from a father's perspective. Uh, Lord, it, that was um, so powerful to me when I started to feel and sense your guidance to me as a dad. And it, it made the world a difference, Lord. So thank you for a podcast like this and uh, for Dad in the Trenches and for Aaron. And I just pray blessings on, on all the listeners in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you, Troy. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right, guys, we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. For more content and resources, check out the website at dadinthetrenches.com or on social media at Dad in the Trenches. And be sure and click on subscribe to stay up to date with new podcasts. Walk out the heroic fatherhood you were called to live.